a double CD for you. We're going to have two podcasts. Chris Long is going to be the second one. The first one is just going to be all me. Although I did text Van Pelt and asked him from Augusta, do you have 10 minutes for me? I think he thought something was wrong with my life because I was like, hey, any chance you get on the phone with me for 10 minutes? He's like, I'm ready to go right now. And I was like, oh, no, no, I just meant like Augusta. Like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm not. Nothing's wrong with me, um, at least urgently. So, I don't know. I guess I could text him, but I think the thing is, man, that Augusta week, that is cash money, man. I mean, I was there last year, and I wasn't even there for anything other than just go with my buddies. And ESPN was nice enough to hook me up with some passes. Shout out to the Double Eagle. And I'm not even a big golf guy, and I'm telling you, it's one of the greatest things I've ever been to. I didn't even want to leave, and usually everything I'm good with after a day or two. And um, you, it's like for guys that are really famous, there's all sorts of side money down there. I made some cell phone side money. Shout out to Verizon. And I wasn't even supposed to. It's because somebody was like, hey, Van Pell can't do this other thing. Getting a call. I'm like, hey, while you're here, do you want to hang out and drink with your buddies? Or do you want a nice fat check for interviewing Jay Haas? And I went, I'll take the check. I got a question. Do you know like what their situation is down there? Because we had Marty Smith on today on Will's show. And they're living in houses, so it's like him, Mike yeah, that's, Eves, that's and Barry deal. in a house. Yeah, that's and how they do it. It's, he was like, our fridge is full of Coors Light and Jack Daniels, and we're just like living it up. And I'm yeah. like, okay, are you working, or are you just like partying? And they're like, no, 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 we're just basically drinking beers, hanging out with these golfers. Well, you're not really set up like on the grounds. You know, it, Augusta has a million rules. So here's the thing with Augusta, is if you want to make fun of it, and call it the Stuff Shirt Golf Society. And yeah, we can get into the history of not being very inclusive on the membership thing. But if I'm just talking about the Masters Week itself, if you if you want to make fun of it, and I'm not exactly Captain Golf Guy either, okay? Like, Golf Guy annoys the hell out of me sometimes because Golf Guy wants to say that current golfers are all athletes so that he feels better about himself when it gets back to our whole what's an athlete, what's not an athlete. Let's stop doing that. It's like adult films. I kind of know what it is, and I know what it isn't. You know what I mean? That is, that isn't, Okay. And that's how we should look at, is this guy an athlete? Is this guy not an athlete? And golf guy's a little knowing about that because every golf guy, like at no point do I take off from the free throw line and dunk. Okay, but I could, I could smash a 300-yard drive that just lays out beautifully left to right and plays up, you know, perfectly on the approach and I hit an 8-iron from 150 yards out. I could hit those shots back to back and feel like I'm a golfer, but I obviously wouldn't be able to do it all day long, and you'd be lucky to break 100. Like, when I was okay, I could generally always break 100 when I play it all the time. Now I'm talking about myself, and I'm an annoying golf guy. I want to tell myself to shut up, so I'm going to stop. So if you hate all of the golf part of that and everybody that claps and the guys yelling dilly-dilly and all that stuff, I understand you not – like you, I understand the guy that feels that way about – Golf. Don't do it with Augusta. Don't do it to the Masters. Because once you walk through that place and you show your little pass and then you get in, it is heaven. Okay? It is heaven. They treat everyone that walks in there like a king. We all know the jokes. Like, the food is all cheap and it's incredible. And it's, you know, I mean, look, it's not incredible. It's not like gourmet stuff. But it's just awesome. And everybody is so happy. And the no phone thing is great. I mean, after the first seven times you check your pocket thinking you lost it somewhere, then you realize you don't have it. It's Awesome. And the best part, once you realize, is all the seats, like people run in the beginning, set their seats down beside wherever they think the best vantage point is on whatever whole approach, whole deal. We did Amen, uh, Amen Corner. And what you can do is, if somebody's not sitting in that seat, you just take their seats. And then they have a little name tag in the back. So if it's me and my four buddies, like we did last year, and then the guy, they, hey, I'm Chris. And you go, oh, it's no problem. And you get up and then you sit in the other empty seats. And it's like all honor system. It's the best. 
So they don't have like that many hotels in the area. It's a very small little town off this exit. It's like two hours outside of Atlanta. Uh, and so ESPN over the years, they used to do this all the time. And Van Pelt, when he was like the first guy, like Lois on the totem pole, the joke was that he used to always stay in this bunk bedroom that like these family would rent out their house to make money that week. ESPN would rent the house from him. And guys like Annie North and Tarico had seniority over him and got better bedrooms. And, and Van Pelt was like in the kids room. So that's why they're in houses. Like that sounds like the best gig ever. So it's like just a, just a bunch awesome. of dudes hanging out, awesome. doing some TV, calling into some radio shows, talking to Tiger, and then just drinking a Coors Light when you have some free time. Yeah, it's 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 the great gig, and What's I'm telling so it's Van so with cool. Andy, so then yeah. Van Pelt doesn't have Van Pelt has to probably do a little bit more work than some of the other guys do, yeah. but that's because he's you know one of our faces of golf. Sorry, so Van Pelt maybe not in the fun house. The fun house is probably Marty and, and Matt Berry. Mm, Van Pelt will want to know what's going on in the funhouse, though. Definitely, but he won't yeah, go. He won't go. He's never going. He's, he's going to tell down. you he's going to go every night, but he's not going to go. But then he's going to ask you first thing, what happened in the funhouse last night? Yeah. And then he's going to say, I almost I almost came by. Like, if I were in the funhouse, he'd be like, what are you guys doing? All right, I think I'm going to come over. Should I come over? All right, are you guys doing anything? And then the next day, he'd be like, ah, I just didn't. I didn't want to have any fun, but what'd you guys do? Did you have a bunch of fun? I'm like, yeah, we had a great time. What'd you do? You, you went out? Yeah. Was it fun? Yeah, it was awesome. All right. Tonight, Should tonight, tonight I'll go. Tonight I definitely want to do it. All right. Great. Just hit me up. You guys doing anything? Yeah. We're, we're having fun. <laughs> I remember one time when he was texting me. We were in the same hotel in Chicago. We were there for a show because we used to go out there all the time in Chicago until they dumped us for Cowherd. And they they put us up, and it was like right in town, and there were some people around, and he has a ton of friends there, and he's like, are you doing anything? And I was seriously in compression shorts in my room, was never going out, and I ordered room service. And I think I was in this Walking Dead phase, and I didn't really like. I, I fell off in the Walking Dead when they were at that dude's farm, and it just got so boring, and everybody was heavy, heavy breathing. So I, I missed out. I know you love it, right? No, no, no. I, I bailed. That's when I bailed. But I heard other people said, "Oh, that was the worst stretch in well, the first seasons," and you had to suck it up and make it through it. And I couldn't. I bailed when that guy said that they were going to take them to DC or whatever, and they found out he was lying. So the show basically just started over. And I was like, okay, well, uh, I didn't even, wasted three years of my life. Yeah, I didn't even make it that far. No, nah, it's a good call. So. <laughs> I was, you know, I'm not going anywhere. And he's like, what are you doing? I go, oh, I'm just jumping in the shower. He's like, are you going to go across the street and meet up with everybody? I was like, absolutely. And I just wanted to see how much he would text me. So my whole point was I wasn't going to go out, but I wanted to keep texting him that I was to see how many times he would text me. And the thing is, what's great about Van Pelt is he would go, you're absolutely right. That's what I do. Because he doesn't really want to do anything. He just wants to know what he's missing out on. And I wasn't. Gonna, I think that was the night where I was in town, and I go, I don't. We got a full day tomorrow. I'm like, I'm not doing anything. And I go, I'm just gonna pretend I'm going out for like four hours. And he's like, Who's there? I was like, Oh, dude, everybody, it's sick. And I was like, Down the hallway. I don't know if he knows that part yet. Okay, um, lot to get to here. Lot to get to. Used to have 15 hours a week. Now I got one. So I feel like I go a little too fast. Uh, life update. Didn't think I'd ever be here again. Took a picture of myself outside of ESPN uh, last Friday when I cleaned out my office. But the movers did not show up today. So I had a flight to uh, the West Coast. 
and now I can't make it because the movers didn't show up. So that was awesome. And I have opening day tickets at Fenway tomorrow. And the movers are like, how about we do Thursday? And I go, you know what I'm not going to do? Do that. Because you guys screwed it up. You didn't show up. It says in the email the 4th. I'm On the 5th, is that's that's Fenway. So I'm going up to uh, check that out opening day with my boys. And then now I'm stuck in Connecticut for like another four days because the movers can't get here until next week. So that's what I'm doing. So is it L.A. or Denver? Um. Well, the ticket I bought was for L.A. Okay. So my house isn't ready. There's really not much else going on there. A lot of job offers. That's That part's good, but, you know, not in a, not in a hurry. So still TBD. Yeah. Nice. Like never never had more uncertainty. But, you know, trying to be zen about it. I get mad about the house, but it's not going to solve any problems. I get mad about the movers. They're not getting here any sooner. They're going to get here Monday. It's like a new Rosilla. Not going to get mad about it. Nice. Oh, I still get mad about stuff, but this is this is just, you know, I, my place is all packed up, though. Like, the last two days, I said, this is it. I've had it. Let's start packing up. It's weird. It's weird packing up. I've been there almost five years. But I don't think I like any place I've ever lived that much that I care. Like, every house I've lived in, I've gone, eh, I could do better than this. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't really know what the point is. Um, all right, let me get to the sports stuff, because I took too long doing that. I heard Will Kane's segment about the one and dones. And here's what happens. This is, we become a product of whatever's happened. And then that becomes, okay, this is the talking point all week long. And this is stuff I always try to fight against because I go, is that really true? Or is that just what we're doing right now? So Nova wins with a guy like Brunson, who's terrific, and Bridges, who develops, and the rest of these non-top recruits, although people are conveniently forgetting that Spellman was a big-time recruit and could be a one and done. So he could be somebody who, and I love Spellman, um, he could be somebody that's a one-and-done. So does that mean that Nova did it the one-and-done way? So the conversation becomes what? Because we've had some of these North Carolina teams that weren't loaded with like normal, what like North Carolina's had some really good runs here, okay? But it's what was the Will Kane stat? Two, two of the teams, last 12. Two of the last 12 years, you've had a team win the whole thing with the one-and-done approach. It was Duke with Justice Winslow, Okafor, Jones, yep. Jones, and it was the Anthony Davis Kentucky team right. with Kid, Kid Gilchrist. Kid Gilchrist yeah, uh, all those dudes. Was Deron Lamb was on that team, right? Yeah, he was <laughs> the second round pick. The lesser known. Who was um, the, there was another guy that went at the end of the first. That Teague, uh, Teague. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. he was not in the league right anymore. No, no, no. It didn't work out. All right, so I think it's a. I don't even think it's a good headline. It's an accurate headline, but it sounds good. If I wanted to come on and make an argument, and almost every single argument that I make about sports, I already know what the other side is going to say. And that's where I think, and I'm not accusing Will of this, because I'm i telling you right now, folks, like Will believes everything he says. Like people that criticize Will Kane and say, oh, he's just another one of those guys that just makes it up and tries to get reaction. No, nah, Will, would you back me up on this? I mean, you've been with him every day now for three months after me. Yeah. I and he believes everything. I think he's wrong a lot. Yeah, and, that's fine. And that's okay, but he's, yeah, this is never like a, hey, let's take this side because this will be good for me. But what I'd say what Will does, what a lot of people do, is you start stacking up any facts that you think help your argument. And if you wanted to argue against the one and done, it sounds good to say, well, you know, I only had two teams in the last 12 years win a title with the one and done approach, so is it really good? And it's even better off the heels of Villanova doing it in the way we like it. Because there, there are some rules with college sports, especially college basketball, but we are obsessed with the education level of people we'll never meet, which is so stupid. I needed to go to college. Saruti, you needed to go to college. Most of the people listening to this podcast needed to go to college, and the people that didn't go to college probably 
are going, you know what? I wish I had gone to college. You know, it doesn't mean that's the same for everybody. Um, but you know, going to college when you don't really do anything that great doesn't really set yourself apart. Like, look, just, I mean, this isn't, this isn't, uh, elitism. This is just facts of look at money that you're going to generate. Even though now when you start looking at how much college costs, you're like, wait a minute, when's this thing? When's the market correction? When's the 2008 real estate correction happening to college tuition? Hopefully before I ever have a kid, although by the rate I'm at right now, I'd be going to college on the moon. Um, I, I don't care. I wish kids didn't have to go to college at all. Uh, I'm, I've been adamant about this. Most college basketball voices uh, are people telling you that they should stay in school. And I wonder if that's selfishly motivated. I know that as fans, we're selfishly motivated. Like, I don't want kids to go out of high school to the NFL because I love Saturdays. But if I'm arguing that people should have the right to do what they want to do and that we're obsessed with the idea that young kids fail only because they're young, whereas there's plenty of three and four year guys that stay that stink and fail too. Like people fail. So, uh, we like when people stay in school. So when a team that wins a national championship in basketball does it with older players, we think it's being done the right way. And I think Cal, because he was at the forefront and just said, screw it. I want one and done's. Let's get you to the NBA. People didn't like that, even though I loved it and just loved the fact that he goes, who's pretending? Like, let's stop pretending. I think there was a time when people, you know, that didn't just hate Duke for being Duke, but liked that Duke wasn't going to be part of that. And then Duke decided we're a part of this. So I think the question you have to ask is, is that the right question? Is success really titles or no titles? And I would argue in a one and done tournament, in college basketball to say if you don't win a title that it's a failure if you had one and dones is a really misleading and just flat out wrong way to equate success. So I went through all the final fours with the one and done guys. And I have, if you go from 2017, because, you know, you could say they had a one and done with Tony Bradley, but he didn't really play, you know, whatever. Um, that's not being fair. But like eight in this year, is that a bad one and done because Arizona lost so early? Does that mean you say no to DeAndre Ayton? Like, of course not. And they had a really, you know, they had a pretty good season, but then they have an awful season because so many people don't pay attention to college basketball until just the tournament. Like, it's a one-month sport now. Um, you know, Jamal Murray, that Kentucky team, one and done. They ended up being a force. That's a down year for Kentucky. So now you're going like, all right, collectively the last few years here, what, you know, what's up with all these one and dones? Like, what you got Ben Simmons, didn't even make the tournament, Markel Fultz, Marquise Chris. Like, you have a lot of ammunition in a very short window of years where you could say, oh man, the one and dones thing, that's stupid. All right. Well, let's really look at it. Because if you go all the way back to 2007, I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I have nine Final Four teams in that same span. So it's two championships, but it's nine Final Four teams with one-and-done guys. And then if I expand it even further, like if I go back to, let's see here, Kyrie in that weird Duke season, they went 30-4 and four and got to a sweet 16. Is that wrong? Does that mean that year with like, oh, your one-and-done approach didn't work? Well, yeah, they lost. They didn't get out of their region. They lost in the sweet 16. The year after that, you had Davis, MKG, um, you know, make it to a Final Four. But you had Bradley Beal as, as a guy that, you know, he was, they ended up in Elite Eight. So does that mean, does that mean, huh, I'm double checking something here right now. Can you stall for me here for a second? Yeah, I don't, I, I'm not sure. The, the amount of teams that are doing the one and done 
system or method or whatever is is obviously going to be way lower than the amount of teams that are not doing it. So there's probably the, the likelihood of success of a team that's not doing one and done making it further in the tournament. That that sample size is much larger than the guys that are doing the one and dones. You know what I mean? Does that make any sense to you? You're saying because I was looking this up, but I, I just want to make sure I had it right because I wrote down a million the, notes today. There are only like what twenty programs maybe that do one and done that really do that method. Right. The rest so you of have them are more building teams. Programs. Yeah. They're, right. They're getting three and four year guys. So these guys aren't returning the calls yeah, so of a lot of these schools. There's less opportunity for the one and done guys to, to for it to be this big number of them making it far, or winning titles because the sheer number of teams out of the sixty eight every year probably what. 40 of them at least have guys that are three, mostly three and four year players. Right. Like, so two things, you're, you're absolutely right. Because what we're doing now is we're, we're acting as if every team is in the same business. And you're going, no, the lesser number of teams that are even in this world that even get these guys to show up to their campus that take the scholarship, do the one and done thing. And then you're talking about a tournament with 68 teams. So, 07, Odin Conley, two top five picks. Like, is, that's a final four team played in the final. Lost to a vet, but you'd go, oh, look at Florida. They developed, you know, they developed their guys. Okay. Yeah. But that's success. Like that to me is a successful season for Ohio State with one and done guys. 2008, um, Rose with Memphis. Uh, you know, you could sit there and go, all right. Well, Beasley, it didn't work out with Kansas State. That's Kansas State. And they, you know, they won a tournament game. Like, you know, whatever. Kevin Love. Um, he ended up, wait a minute. They were in the final four that year too. Um, going through this 2010, you know, that wall cousins team, that's the team that lost to West Virginia in the elite eight. Like, does that mean that that was terrible and that it didn't work? Yes. By Kentucky standards, fine. But you know, that's, I don't think that's really what we should be doing here. I don't think we should be going, Oh wow. Look at awesome Villanova. Look at some of these more veteran laden teams. Like that's the way to do it. What happens is, is whatever happens, then we say, well, that's the way you should do it. Like if Loyola Marymount had won and maybe even played in the final, and even it was happening before the final four here, but you'd be going, um, Loyola Chicago, you'd be saying, oh, wait a minute. Does this mean now that, you know, the turmoil and the turnover and all this stuff, like, is, is this the right way to do it? You know, what's going to happen is like every five or six years, if you go George Mason back, VCU Butler and Butler ends up playing back to back. So that didn't really feel like that little engine that could type story, but it's still Butler. Like, yeah, in a one and done situation in a tournament, like every now and then we're going to have a really weird team in there. And I don't think that means that everything's different. It's like somehow we just want to present this argument that everything is totally different. And that like I used to think when they started changing around some of this stuff, I thought that would happen. I thought that the tournament victories would start being full of teams that were together, that were cohesive, that knew each other. Because basketball is very much about continuity and knowing how other guys operate and that these one and done constant turnover teams wouldn't be successful. Here's what I know is sometimes these one and done teams are really successful. We shouldn't base it just on national championships. And the idea that the teams that just stick around three and four years and have the coach that those are that either way works. Either way works is my point. Let me just say this. Is it? Can I say that if it's a one and done championship, it's likely to happen at Duke, Kentucky? Like, there's really no other programs that are going to do that. Like, I don't think it's one freshman going to Arizona, like Aiton. It's going to be really hard for him to win a title by himself. Yeah, like Stanley Johnson in 2015. Like, I looked at it, and there were other guys because Stanley was a little inconsistent in Arizona. But that team went 33 and three and went to the Elite Eight. Does that mean? Or excuse me, 31 and 3? Yeah. It's like, so what, what do you do? Do you tell me that that doesn't work? 
Like, if you're the radio guy going, oh, Stanley Johnson one and done. Okay, Stanley Johnson may have been underwhelming. And, and it's we do this retroactive thing, too, when the one and done isn't as good in the pros, then we somehow ding them in college after, like, which is totally stupid. But, like, if you're doing the talk show segment where you're like, oh, these one and dones, doesn't work. And sometimes it doesn't. But a lot of times it does. And 31 and 3 in an Elite 8 losing at the buzzer to get to the Final Four, like, I don't, I'm not that difficult where I'd go, that was stupid. And I think that's what people do. And I think people just don't like one and dones. They want everybody to stay in school. We want our product to be better. We want the product to be easier to follow. And I get all of those things. We're all selfish human beings. Okay. I'm going to say it every week because it's true. Learn it more and more all the time. We really just care about, like, we want stuff to be done the way we care about it. Uh, I just, I heard that a lot this week and it's like Villanova's doing it the right way. Dude, I love Jay Wright. I love that Villanova. That Villanova team is as impressive as any team I've seen in college basketball going back to that Florida back to back team. That's how nasty they are. Think about Brunson and Spellman weren't even that good in the title game. And DiVincenzo goes crazy. You know, I mean, Brunson had foul trouble. He didn't make any shots. He's the player of the year in college. And they house another team in the national championship game. That Alabama second half, <laughs> like I'm, I couldn't be more impressed with Villanova. So this is not knocking Villanova at all. What I'm doing is just, you know, what I did when I did the radio show is knocking all the stuff that I hear and be like, I understand we have to kind of play the result. It's almost like the stock market this morning. It's getting crushed in the pre-market. Wait, down hundreds and hundreds of points. Up, oh, it's because of this. It all came back and then it went up in one trading day. So every article that was written in the morning was wrong. It was. I don't know how the financial guys write this stuff. Up, oh, fears of a tariff. And then it's like, fears no longer a factor in, you know, and I don't know what the hell is going to happen tomorrow, but I would hate to have to write about it. Did I answer that? I think so. What, would, a, you, what would you do if you were Jay Wright? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I wouldn't go to, like, I, I, I think people need to understand that like, why would he go to Kentucky? That's the other thing that we do. As soon as a guy wins something, we want to get him another job. Yep, whatever. Like, how about this idea? Maybe he really likes it there. And maybe it's an awesome job, and now he can live there forever. And he likes being in his city. He knows all the moving parts. Yeah, he needs to get some more money if you're looking at him and comping him against some of the other top guys. But why do we already put him? I can understand the NBA thing, but what the hell is this? Would he take the Kentucky job? Like what is? Well, I'm not even talking about. Who's I was doing talking that? About NBA. You're talking NBA. Um, because there's no need for him to, to take another college job. I think what he has, and this is something you and I talked about on the phone the other day when I was lost in Home Depot. I'm going to throw a theory at you, and I want you to figure this out because when I remember I did that thing on millennials, and then awful announcing did that horrible piece on it. Like awful announcing tried to talk about like what and they completely missed the point. Yeah, I even like DM take of the day or something. Yeah, like I even DM the writers like, did you not get the sarcasm I had in this? Like I know millennial. I was doing this whole thing where it's like millennials are the worst, you know. And I'm like, yeah, look, every generation does stuff I don't like. But I was turning into like how everybody bashes millennials or whatever. So he didn't get the joke. So whatever, we we agreed to disagree. No big deal. Um, I wonder if millennials. Now, you know, making up a good chunk of the NBA as they continue to come in. Although, now we're on generation, uh, what, Z now? Z, yeah. Yeah, snorting condoms. What's, What's up? up? I think personality is the most important skill that you can have as an NBA head coach, college coach. And I think Jay Wright has the personality. Brad Stevens is somebody who should have a massive ego 
and finds a way to present himself as egoless. I'm sure, you know, when it comes down to a private moment, like Brad Stevens thinks he's pretty bleeping sweet, but he talks about his players in a protective way, uh, always positive way. And if I were a GM or an owner of a team, wishful thinking, but never want to rule anything out, never want to put a salary cap on your life. Is that, (laughs) is, is I would, I would want to know this guy's because I look at Thibodeau in Minnesota. I wonder, is that, is that maybe just not work anymore? When I look at Van Gundy in Detroit and I kind of respect like what Van Gundy tried to do there. You know, he tried to zig when others were zagging. I mean, I don't, I'll never like the Reggie Jackson contract, but, uh, I wonder. If if people need to start examining how they interact with their players more than even talent evaluation, X and O's, I think personality is the most important skill you can have as an NBA coach, and I think Jay Wright has that kind of personality. So if somebody wants to give him – he doesn't – I hope he wouldn't get the Philly job because they can't do that to Brett Brown because he's done an awesome, awesome job. And we'll get to Philly here in a second. But, you know, if it's somebody goes, all right, screw it, let's give them seven, eight million, that's different. But I don't, I didn't get the whole, like, you guys, what, we're doing Villanova, Blue Blood or not? I mean, did you put Florida in it? No. Of course not. But the reason I, I don't think Nova's a Blue Blood, but the reason I wouldn't put Florida in it is because this is two separate Villanova teams, right? That that was the same Florida team. They just won it twice. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think it's, you know, we're going to be putting UCLA in it still, which is fine. I mean, Indiana fan was mad at us. Yeah, I would put I would think of Indiana before I would think of Villanova still. But, you know, Villanova just won their second in three years. So now it's like, oh, okay, Kansas, Duke, Kentucky, Villanova. And you're like, what? Wait, really? Did you guys put St. John's in it? Uh just missed. That's what I thought. Okay. I'm gonna table maybe the Josh Rosen stuff. Because I was thinking about tweeting it out. I don't know if people would have gotten it. And the tweet was gonna be this. Imagine if Josh Rosen were white. Would we be questioning his character, leadership, and commitment to football? Because I'm just going to give everybody a newsflash. Everybody that's going out, this Lamar Jackson stuff's all about black and white, and it may be to some degree, but let's, we got to get past that we only question black quarterbacks' character. We do it to all these dudes, man. We do. And we just get super mad when they're black. So I'll talk to Chris Long about that one because he got in a lot of trouble with his DiVincenzo tweet about being a white basketball player. Because this Rosen stuff that's coming out, like I hadn't read the Mora quotes yet from the thing that he did, basically. And when I had seen it, I, I saw the headlines first. And I go, oh, my God, what, like, did Mora destroy him? And it's pretty interesting. I'll, I'll go through this now because I just um, I don't think it'd be very good as a host here. Did you guys do this on the show at all? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's been huge because... I didn't think that like, it's interesting. You were talking about the millennial stuff in the NBA and hiring coaches that like are that can handle millennials. The NFL is like the opposite of that. They're the anti millennials. No, they don't, they don't want, want you people, thinking. They don't want people that ask questions. They don't want people that have other interests in life. They don't want any distractions. Yeah. They so just whether want a guy who's a meathead and people they want Andrew Luck. They right. want a guy who doesn't have any other interests, doesn't really like like doesn't really shave, doesn't really have a lot of like you know um, things going on. He just likes football. Yeah, I told you that story. I mean, like at one level, it's the it's the Kaepernick thing where you go. Like, so anytime any other quarterback is signed now, we're still doing this. Like, Kaepernick's become a better quarterback. This is like a fishing story now. Every time somebody else is signed. And he should have a job. I've said this all last year. I was wrong. I thought he eventually would be given a job. But now when he's not given a job, I go, well, he did sue his employer. 
Also, it, it he doesn't want to. I don't think he wants to. Oh, we're doing that one. one See, I don't, I'm not comfortable with that yet. And two, wouldn't it hurt his case if he got a job in the league? Like he's not going to get a job because of all he's done. But remember but, when the first thing came out about collusion against him? They were talking about all these emails. How come nothing has leaked? Nothing that says, "Oh, like where's the smoking gun?" Now it's clear he should have a job. And, Definitely. But I think people are making it at times more of a social issue and not paying attention to the, just the coaches and the way these guys are. They go, I just don't want to deal with this stuff. I don't want any distractions. And if you're ignoring that part of it, then I think you're selling the agenda that is, that is only, there's only one reason he doesn't have a job. And, um, you know, like I, I used this example before Jabari Holloway was a tight end at, at Notre Dame. He was incredible. Um, early two thousands Pats drafted him, didn't work out. And, the story I heard when I was up in Boston was that when it didn't work out, somebody on the Pat staff said about Jabari was like, we'd heard he missed a football practice at Notre Dame for like a chem lab. So he skipped football practice because he had to make up some work in a chem lab. And the guy on the football staff said, we should have known then to not pick him. Now that seems messed up. I don't think it is. I think it just... It's it's shining a light on the way the football coach brain works. It doesn't mean you always have to agree, but like I get kind of football guys' point on that. I don't know. You think that you're looking at me right now like that's messed up? I think people would take. I mean, I've told that story I before. I get but, why you, know. you say that. I think people would be that would be people would be mad about that. People probably were mad about it because. This kid's trying to prioritize his life or whatever and has interests, and he may be a great football player, but those he guys was really good in college. only want yeah. guys that care about football. Like, you think Belichick, Belichick doesn't care. He doesn't want, he doesn't want you to have, That's why all this He TV wants you to be smart. Stuff. Right. Like, like I, he doesn't want TB12. He doesn't want Guerrero. He doesn't want all these all these guys doing it. I don't know if I blame him for fall that. In line. Yeah. I mean, I don't. like. Don't ask why. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't ask. Like, I, I don't. You know, I'm pretty good at this. Like, if I were Belichick, I'd be like, you know, my track record is pretty freaking good. Okay. Like, you want to be doubting me? Like, there's a lot of guys that have tried to doubt my whole approach and all that stuff. Like, oh, they're broke. Listen, though, if I was Josh Rosen and I got drafted by the Browns, I'd be asking why a lot. <laughs> because, <laughs> because you probably deserve okay, it. Okay, so this is what Morris said um, on NFL Network. Said that he'd take USC Sam Darnold over Rosen with the first pick in the draft if he were running the Browns. Morris said, quote, it was because of fit and cited Darnold's, quote, blue-collar gritty attitude. Uh, and Peter King says here that my jaw dropped when I heard that. Um, so then he followed up with more and he goes, I talked to him. So this is on Sunday and he goes, he understands the tornado's words created. So when I had heard like, Oh my God, what did he say about him? I expected it to be worse. But what people couldn't freaking believe is that the coach not only didn't pick his own QB is that then it's the USC UCLA thing, which I can't be, I can't wait to be in the middle of that crossfire. Um, and he said, look, I put it in the context of fit. Here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to beat up Moore. I know what Moore is supposed to do, but I'm the guy that can't stand most of the ex-coaches and athletes that say nothing. Like, it just bums me out when we would hire guys and they'd come into ESPN and they were boring as hell. And I'd be like, dude, why did you even want this? Be like, do you just want to get out of the house? And the answer is yes for most of them. Um So I'm not going to beat up Moore for going, you know what? I said what I said. So he gave us... The honesty there, I don't think it should have been treated as this blasphemous thing. It is a little weird. Uh, and yes, I saw people say, oh, you know, Mora's never going to get recruits again. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's his goal, that he's going to coach a big-time college football again. 
Uh, I just, I don't know, man. He gave us, he gave us something good, something tangible. And, and from his perspective, the guy that coached him and coached against the other guy. And I'm the one that tells you I like Rosen better, but I don't know what Rosen's deal is. I don't know. Like I've heard people tell me he's the worst. Like, dude, he's the worst. Like, Rosilla, you'd hate him. Like, I, you know what I know we also do? Like my book, there's a chapter called Everybody Hates You. And it's the younger guy at work. Like you're right now, you're 40, you're my age. You have an office. There's a guy who's 25. Maybe he's good looking. He's pretty smart, but he thinks he knows everything. And even if he has some good ideas and he shows up to work every day and he's not even a bad time at happy hour, there are times in meetings you hate that guy. You just hate him because he's 25 and you want him to shut up. So Rudy knows what I'm talking about. It's him in every single department meeting. Everybody hates him here. Yeah, I just I ask why a lot. We've been over this before. I'm kind Do you of like that chapter? Why everyone hates you? Yeah, listen, I it's I it's not that I don't take criticism well. I just like to ask questions. <laughs> I don't. By the way, I don't think I've ever had a problem with you not taking criticism well from me. No, but I've like, criticized you. I mean, I criticize you all the time. I feel like I, you know, we did the whole. What was it? What was the analogy? You were like, if you're in like the World War II and the in the the general says, yes. "Hey, do this," and I I can't ask why. Why can't I? No, I can't I'm, be like, "Hey, dude, like that seems like a bad idea." Yeah, we did that on the air. That's when I told you you were wrong. Like you can't have every single. So all right, so you want to know why we're going up this hill? Um, I just would like a little bit of background information. I'm you know. Okay, but what if every single guy in that unit felt the same way? Don't you think that'd be a colossal waste of time? And you know what? The other thing is like you don't want to hear it from you know your leader. You're a lieutenant. You know, I don't I don't know all the terminology. Uh like some of you guys are gonna get killed. And yes, it's it may suck for if I'm gonna get killed, I want to know why I'm getting killed. Like, yeah, well we, you what, know what? What there's no draft anymore, son, and you signed up and you like the gear and it was fun to shoot ARs on the weekend, and now what? Now what? Well, that's clearly why I didn't join. You're gonna go up the hill. Okay, let's talk MVP. Coach of the year and dun 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 rookie of the year. You ready? I would vote for LeBron James MVP. I think it's close. I think it's real close. But MVP is weird. MVP is a story. And a lot of the voters, almost all of them, are writers. Uh they're all media members for the most part. Uh I was going through the list again today. And I think one of the great examples of storytelling is the Andre Iguodala story in the NBA Finals three years ago, the first year the Warriors won. Steph Curry was the MVP of the uh, NBA Finals that year. The idea that it's anybody else is ridiculous, but it was that Iguodala shut down LeBron, so that kept getting told over and over again. It's why Nash, and I love Steve Nash, but it was new and it was different. It was Phoenix, and it's like, man, Nash, and then he does it again, and you're like, oh, my God. Uh, I think Steph deserved both of his. There's a lot of people that tell you Harden. I mean, there's so many players that are anti-Steph, then Harden won, remember they did like the Players Ball Choice Awards, Teen Choice? Hosted by Russell Wilson, Nickelodeon. Yeah, because um, everybody hates Steph, though, right? Yeah, because everybody hates Steph. Well, players hate Steph. And I think, actually, a lot of media guys don't like Steph, either. So, Harden ended up winning it, right? Um, but he didn't win the MVP. And then last year, it's like Russ post-Durant. Russ didn't just win the MVP last year because of his triple-double. And by the way, he needs, what, rebounds? 12 rebounds per game in the last four games to get another triple-double, which you've heard of what, zero times, I think, this season. Okay? And granted, because he just did it, but... I think last year's voting for Russ was 50% his stats and 50% like a screw you to Durant. Like, look what he's doing without Durant. And the team wasn't even that good. But then the Harden argument last year was look at wins. 
why would you vote for Westbrook when Harden has more wins? And then I'm like, all right, so does that mean the Harden people want us to vote for Kawhi? Because there was a really good Kawhi argument last year. And then there's the best player thing. And one of the dumbest ideas ever is this whole, let's have an MVP, but then also a best player in the league award. What are we, seven? That is so stupid. That is so weak. That is so 2018. I hate it so much. I would even think about for a day, maybe not watching games, but that's, it's, I hate that. I, I get seriously top five worst ideas in sports in my time covering anything. That's how dumb that I, that, like anybody's, oh, there should be two. You know what? I'm, all right. So let's get best player. Let's get MVP, but let's, let's do one for somebody we think is underrated too. Just rank the players. Well, I mean, ESPN.com does that already. So there you go. Right. I have a scorching hot Kawhi take if you want it now or later. Too. Uh, now, because I can't wait. Um, I'm excited at the prospect of him getting traded because I want to see if he's as good as he's been on the Spurs as he would be somewhere else. I think he would be now. I do. Although I still think guys like Durant and LeBron look at Kawhi, and you could tell this, and even Windhorse mentioned this a couple years ago when LeBron was going up against Kawhi. Um, so that's what now, four years ago? That they kind of looked at you, and Kawhi's better now since then, but it was almost like, you think he's in our group, like as an offensive player? Come on, like he's good. No, but I do, I think when you looked at him, I mean, he started kind of, you know, don't you feel like he was doing more shot creation stuff and getting his own offense going in a way that you didn't really think, like even when you were like, man, look at Kawhi, like, oh wow, he's improved again, wow, he's now to score again, wow, he's maybe the best two-way defensive player in there. But can he really go get it on his own? And then he did all that. So I think he's answered every one of those questions. The story in itself is really, really weird. And it's lame. It's it's pretty lame, to be honest with you, that you just decided, like, you're shutting it. Like, that's what's happened here, right? Like, he shut it down. And, like, but what, uh, I don't, what I don't understand is he's, he has to play next year, right? Yeah, to get that Unless contract. Unless he gets the extension this summer. Yeah. Um. <sighs> I don't. I think. Well, look, the Windhorse thing was funny because even Windhorse goes, "Why? Why are people making such a big deal about the idea that people are going to be calling for Kawhi Leonard?" Of course, they're going to be calling for Kawhi Leonard. Like everybody's going to go, "All right, let's see." And maybe somebody who's really good, maybe a a, a good team, maybe a great team gets creative. Yeah, I saw like you know, hey, would you Beal and Otto Porter, and you're like, get out of here with that. Yeah, you got to do better than that. And the thing is, is I like. Beal, to me, is one of those dudes certain nights. I'm like, yeah, he is as good as I thought he'd be. And then there's another nights I'm like, he's just not as good. All right, so back to the LeBron thing. If you want to argue Harden, you're going to have a ton of stuff on your side. You're going to. But it's like I try to say, there are things that aren't close. Like MVP and Rookie of the Year, it's not Margot Robbie and Kathy Bates, okay? There's an argument for LeBron, and there's a really great argument for Harden. And if you voted for Harden, if we were roommates, we both had NBA votes, and I've never had a vote because ESPN would have to make that happen, and that was never going to happen. But I'm, I'd am i vote for LeBron, and if my roommate said I'd vote for Harden, I'd go, I am, man. Totally get it. And that's the same thing I try to do with my tweet about Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons. And my whole rule of you can't do this thing where you go, oh, it's Harden and it's not even close. That's just stupid. Some years it is Margot Robbie and Kathy Bates. Most years it isn't. We've had incredibly deep fields at the top. 
So I'm not even doing well. LeBron's always the best because you know he's just the best player in the world and blah blah blah. blah. So just give him the MVP. Well, that's not that's not fair either. So if I have a better season than you, I'm just like I'm supposed to bend the knee and lose an MVP award because you're just considered better than me. Because yes, LeBron is better than Harden. Harden has been incredible. He's number two in plus minus. He's also playing alongside the number one plus minus guy in the entire NBA, and that is Chris Paul, who has missed some games. Um, the raw numbers are sick for Harden: thirty-one, five and a half, and nine assists. 45% from the floor, 37 from three. LeBron, 27, 54% from the floor. And also, how about this, 37% from three. He and Harden are the same from three this year. By the way, Harden's year number last year, 29, 8, and 11. 29, 8 boards a game and 11 assists. Um, the terrible January that I hear about from Harden people all the time. And the thing is, like all the Harden people coming at me, what you don't understand is I kind of get your point. I just would say, hey, I'm voting for LeBron. And I'll get to that in a second here. The terrible LeBron January, he was 24, 7, and 7. That's the, that's the one that I keep hearing from everybody, how terrible he was that month. That's terrible. That's, that's below his standard. It's not, the guy didn't score 12 a game. He shot 22% from three. So that's the thing. So everybody who wants to discount LeBron for MVP wants to point to his 22% shooting, um, in January. They went six and eight that month. They also played in those 14 games, 10 playoff teams and two in that month of January were against Detroit, who's now not a playoff team. So that's really at the time playoff team, like 12 teams. Okay. 10 of the other ones now still a playoff team. Um, this is my LeBron argument. I've watched them a bunch and I know I was the guy on recently pointing out LeBron's defense, which isn't as good. And by the way, I went through it again this morning. I can't believe these Cavs writers weeks later coming at me saying, look up the stats, bro. I looked them all up. They're not good, but. I'm not going to say because LeBron's defensive stats aren't good that that way I'm going to give the MVP to Harden. Okay, Harden's not winning the MVP because of the defensive vote for me. LeBron would win it because when I look at what this team has been this year, Love is at a 22 PER in 56 games. Larry Nance Jr. at 22 PER at 20 games. And basically everybody else is average or bad. So that's Love missing a good chunk of the season. Nance a 20-minute-a-night piece, and everybody else is either average or below-average efficiency, not somebody who may be a top-seven player in the NBA next to him. And I know that doesn't seem fair for Harden. Be like, all right, so because Chris Paul's good, who's also missed time, that means Harden doesn't get the MVP. That doesn't seem fair. But my general point is this, is that, yes, the defense hasn't been good, but I kind of think that Cavs team stinks. When Love's there, they're good. But I just think he's elevated. Like, that's my argument. I'm looking at scoring, I mean, since the All-Star break, Love's played in eight games. He's the second leading scorer in the eight games since the All-Star break at 15 a game. The other guy in third is Clarkson coming off the bench in all 22 of his games, 13 points per game. There's a, there's a lot of guys just... I'm not saying it's system. I'm not saying because I don't love the ISO stuff. This isn't even a like-dislike Harden thing. I appreciate the hell out of Harden, and I'm not going, oh, well, let's see it in the playoffs. That would be completely unfair to say, oh, I'm not voting for you for the MVP because I haven't liked how you've been in the playoffs the last few years. That's not what I'm doing here. If you voted for Harden, I wouldn't be mad about it. I'd get it. But the more I've watched LeBron and how he's closed out with this team that's not very good and continue to shoot like this, I, w- I would give it to him. And I, I'd i have a hard time with it. I'd have a hard time with it, but that's my argument. It'd just be funny, like three years in a row, Harden finishing runner-up. I feel bad. And I'm not even a feel-bad guy. No, you that, aren't. That's just... I, I would go with Harden. I, I get your point because 
Yeah, if we're talking, if, if we're literally saying, all right, take this guy off the team who's more valuable. Yeah, LeBron's more valuable. That team's garbage. The Cavs. Um, but I don't know. I just think. I mean, I can't ignore some of the weird stuff that's going on around LeBron too. Like, I can't ignore maybe the the, the weird Kyrie thing and that maybe he put himself in this position. And maybe I shouldn't take that into account, but I am taking it into account. Um. You know, I just think there's a lot of weird things surrounding him, the Cavs. And so, like, when I point out him calling out teammates for the defensive yeah, stuff, I don't so know. you would ding him MVP-wise for that. Kind of, yeah. Um, and maybe that's wrong. No, I don't. I think it's fair. I think it's fair to bring it up. I, I The way I challenge you on it is if I was going to say you're wrong and I disagree with you, I just wanted to get your thought on it. And if, if somebody said, you know, I don't, I don't like that, I mean, I haven't liked it. I tweeted about it, and, you know, it was weird. It was very weird. Um, you know, I just... I think it's a frustration. You know, if I, if I want to do the apologist LeBron thing, I go, hey man, hey, look how frustrated he is. Look at look at the numbers I just gave you. The surrounding cast, other than Love, who hasn't missed all this time, it's it really hasn't been very good. It hasn't been very good, and that's just a dude who's incredibly frustrated. But you know, there's there's ways to lead, and times this year with LeBron, it hasn't been great. Watching him not be a very good leader with this with this group. By the way, that saving thing is insane. It's huh? the worst. It, how weird is I, that? You know me, I'm the LeBron defender. I it's a, you can't defend it. It's indefensible. Is that the right? Yeah, indefensible. He literally can't. I mean, it's disgusting. I like think when idea, you're that famous, you just go like, "Oh no, you know, I'm not letting anybody infringe upon you." You're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. but then like Saban's like, "All right, I've never heard of this thing. We're gonna keep doing it, whatever." And then LeBron's follow up to that to be like, "Lawyer well, up, you know, yeah." Well, I'll, I'll send my lawyers and we'll we'll talk that way. And you're like, "Dude, get out of here." That was really weird. It was really weird. Like it sometimes I interrupted. I, okay, dude. Like you, the first person to, to put a camera in a barber shop and just start talking. Michael and Jamel did it years ago. Barbershop, the movie, I, did it. I guess because it was talk shop, and they were in the barbershop, and then they shop. were like, and we were... And it's called The Shop. The Shop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. There, are, there are only a certain amount of creative things you could do with a barbershop title. Okay, Rookie of the Year. Coach of the Year, Brad Stevens. Not discussing it. There's tons of great options out there. This is insane. This is insane, the games that they've won with no guards. I almost want to vote Spolstra every year. Um... Because I can't believe how good, and I just love the Whiteside thing from this weekend. Bobby Marks, you see Bobby Marks' tweet? No. He goes, so Whiteside comes out, for those that don't know, and just rips the way the Heat used him, and basically didn't use him in the fourth, didn't use him in overtime, right? They ended up losing that game, too? I don't know. I forget. Uh, It was a Saturday night game? And so he goes off a little bit, like, I'm one of the best centers. Maybe a team wants a center. There's no good centers. They don't even use me. Why are we going small when they want to go small? You know, use me. And that's the thing. is like Whiteside's this really confusing dude because some of the raw stats tell you he's this great dude. But when you watch, you're like, I don't know. It's weird. And so, and I love when you watch and then one of the best guys that I respect in Spolstra decides to take him out. I'm like, yeah, see, like, there's something off about this. They ended up finding him. And then Bobby Marks was like, just watch the Miami Heat game from last night. I hope Whiteside did, too. You're like, damn. Ether. That was my barbershop thing. I'd be like in the back, just mopping up hair. I'd be like, mm. uh, All right, what day was it? It was, it was uh, Saturday night, wasn't it? They lost to the Nets. Overtime? Nets. Overtime by yeah. a point. Yeah, okay. Uh, rookie of the year, Ben Simmons. Yep, I said it. Okay, so hello, Philadelphia. How you doing? Um, you guys lost your minds again on me, and I know I'm just in the crosshairs, and I get that um, because of my terrible take on them being bad. Although I would say this winning streak, have you looked at the teams they're playing? Literally every team that they play wants to lose. Um, and I know the Nets don't have a pick, so don't get don't get weird with me. But they're they're doing something here that they weren't doing before. When you looked at Simmons' numbers on the court without Embiid, 
They actually weren't great the first four months of the season, and he's closed really strong. And Sharich um, has been a big part of it too. But Simmons nice. is like my biggest thing was that Mitchell was doing it, and I thought it was close. I was like, I'll go Mitchell because he's leading this team in scoring. They really have another good offensive player. I mean, Gobert gets some, but the off on the court stuff with with Mitchell was more impressive through most of the season than it was for Simmons. But Simmons. You know, even though the schedule's easy and we knew it was going to be easy to close it up, and normally it was rookie of the year, the teams are so bad that I don't really care what your standings were. Like sometimes we'd argue, be like, oh, they have 28 wins. Well, they have 34. You'd be like, who cares? Uh, Philly flirting with the third seed, easy schedule, but whatever, man. Embiid's out and Simmons is closing it the way he is. And it's not just, hey, Simmons, like the one thing I was really, really hammering was, Wow, that's weird. Why are the Sixers so much worse, you know, on the hundredth differential? We're talking efficiency here without Embiid and just Simmons. Hmm. All right. Let me look at the Mitchell numbers. Oh, wow. They're still really good, you know, with Mitchell kind of out there by himself because Gobert's missed all this time. And that's it. But you know what? I know most of you guys are arguing for Simmons watch zero jazz games. And if I could swear right now, I would, you know, and you'd be doing the exact same crap if you, you know, if Mitchell were on a, lesser team in Philadelphia and Embiid was with the Jazz and Gobert. You know, if Mitchell were scoring 20-something a game in Philadelphia, you guys would be telling me he was leading scorer, first rookie, 20-plus points. I mean, it's all the same garbage. That I mean, it's just a rotation of cities that decide to get mad every two or three months. So this is nothing new. I got 15 years, son. I just sounded 100 at the end of that. I want to run something by you. Non-sports related. We'll close with this. Watch Battle of the Bastards the other night because I'm rewatching Game of Thrones. And I I love Jamie Lannister. Yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome. Like I just finished up season six, so when he tells off Walter Frey, when he's like, Did you fight? I won my victories. Yeah, I conquered. Yes, but were you in the battlefield? Mock me all you want. Then he's like, if we let you hold River Run and you keep losing it, <laughs> like he's just killing him to his face. And Frey's like so unlikable, but he's so good at being Walter Frey. I don't feel like I appreciated Jamie Lannister enough the first time through watching Game of Thrones. No, he's an incredibly likable dude now, which is awesome. Do you, who's your, give me your number one character. So everyone's going to crush me for this. I really like Jorah. Um, because I just like his story arc. Like he was, he was, he was, you know, kicked out of the family by his dad, Mormont. I'm talking the Hound? About no, no, Jorah. Jorah Mormont? Yeah. Oh my God. Know, yeah. And whenever I say that, everybody hates me for it. I don't hate him though, but God, I just number like his, one pick. I just like his story. He's clearly in love with Danny and he's got this yeah, messed up life. He like... had grayscale and now he doesn't anymore. Spoiler. You know alert. what I couldn't do? I couldn't be the older guy that's like the number two side do. That's, but I think see the reason I like him is because I think he's going to be I think he's got a big role to play in all of this, and like I said, I just like how he sort of rebuilt himself. I like the Mormont house family. I like their deal. I would have a very hard time. I love the house because Mormont, the OG Mormont, that I hate when he gets taken down know, by all the sketchy. And then is it Leanna? Leanna Mormont was the little girl in the meeting there, uh, talking about you know. Yeah, that's a little Snow. that's a little far fetched. That's a little 2018 for me. Like all right, so all these. These medieval Viking types are just going to let a nine-year-old girl yell at them. Oh yeah, no, that was like, that's, that's ridiculous. You know, I felt like 
Yeah, that doesn't seem super believable. But again, they're flying dragons and guys come back from the dead. So again, what kind of rules are we really applying to these fantasy books? Um, but no, I like Mormont. He's cool, well, but I would just, I, that would be, cause he's a, he's a badass. By the great, way, too, great fighter. Great Quill fighter was like came from sort of a noble thing, got knocked down and sort of working his way back up through like you know the back channels, and I, I like it. I forgot what was the hound's real name though. Isn't there something, or is it? Oh no, is the mountain has like a similar first name of as Mormont? Isn't that something when he comes mm-hmm. back when the second maester? Well, they're brothers, right? Hold on for a second, I got unplugged. This is super casual podcasting right now. They're brothers, right? The mountain and, and the hound, right? Aren't they brothers? No, not the Ooh. mountain. No, no, no. The Ooh. hound is brothers with the other dude, the jousting guy. Remember the beginning? Mm. No, I don't know. I need to watch again now. Hold on, now I got to Google this because I could be wrong. I thought that was like a completely different guy. I freaking love the hound, and then I love when the hound gets together with the guy from Deadwood, who's on like a couple episodes, and they're building that church. Dude, that was sad though. It was really sad. Yeah. But then when he decides, like. I've had it and just takes those four guys out with the axe and then he meets up with those brothers of the light a little bit later on and they catch the other three dudes and he's bartering or he's trying to negotiate with them about which ones he can take out and he's like, let me kill two. And they're like, all right, fine. And then he's like, I want to chop them up. Are you looking up whether or not the mountain in the house? Because I don't think. Yeah, it's the clean. Yeah, yeah, the house in the. Yeah. So wait a minute. So Cersei's. Dude, who's like half alive. Yeah, half alive. That's yeah. the hound's brother. Or the Cleans, I can't pronounce it correctly. Yeah. Gregor and uh yeah. Oh, I wondered I wonder if they did like kind of um um a recasting of it though. Yeah, it was definitely a recast. It was recast. Yeah. So the guy that was that the guy's mountain, on Instagram all the time now. Yeah, guy. he's he's like the strongest guy in the world. Yeah. But like the first dude the that ice, was Icelandic or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. All the Icelandics are tough. Everybody knows that. Great bankers too. Um I want to go to Reykjavik. I'm not sure when. I'm not sure what time of year is the best time to go. That's what all the cool kids are doing now. No, that's been, dude. Anybody that says that they're cool now because you're going to Reykjavik. Like the last like, five years, yeah. When my buddies start saying it's over, the guys that had money and had a good run. The whole thing I, is it's cheap to go to Reykjavik. Oh, really? Yeah, it was like the flight was like 100 bucks. Oh, maybe the flight is. I don't think it's At least a cheap place to go. It's like seven people live there now, I think. Um. All right, so. Wait, so where are you at? I love Tywin. He's he's my all time favorite. Tywin, great character. Great. I, I love Jamie, um, Sir Bronn of Dorne of Blackwater. Uh yeah, that's it. Bronn's cool, dude. Bronn's awesome. Hound's great. Speaking of selfish people, I mean, he is probably the most selfish. But he's just good at it. Yeah. I love Ygritte so yep. much. Yep. She's so good. I was arguing with somebody the other night. I go, you don't realize how great she is at that character because she is Scottish, so the accent helps a little bit. But she's this wildling. Who's hot, which wouldn't really happen. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, like a hot female wide. You, you write that into your script. Yeah, right, right. Like, and then there's this group that doesn't bathe and lives outside and eats squirrel bones, and she's a nine. Uh, <laughs> and and the rest of the wildlings were totally cool with her. That'd be like me going to the Essence Festival and leaving with Rihanna, Jon Snow just showing up and getting a gret. So I think when She's just so funny that she's like this punky outside boy with this great accent that's also like his girlfriend. You know, when she starts teasing him and stuff, it's brilliant. Like the writing and the way she plays that is seriously one of, I think, the most impressive things of all seven seasons. How freaking perfect she is as as that character. 
Sorry, uh, I where, get really where are you though? So you, uh, I just started seven, so I'm okay. banging through it. I mean, to to have it motivate me for the stuff I'm trying to write is the dumbest thing ever. It'd be like reading The Martian while I try to write my memoirs. Uh, I have I have a couple guys that know him. I could probably get one of I them. I watch the at, that after the show. I watch all the after the yeah, show it's stuff. Like one, now. It's actually you need to watch it. It's awesome. I feel like I picked out I I I figured out a kind of an error in the timeline. They probably love oh. to have me on. Like, hey, I'm writing TV shows and you have the most successful one maybe ever. But Varys ends up in Dorn and then back at Dragonglass kind of quick. And I think you guys address it an episode later yeah. because it seemed a little obvious that it didn't make any sense that he'd be able to go to Dorne and then back. Like from Marine to Dorne and then back like in a weekend. Nah. But I think because they're speeding this whole thing up, that's why. Like this whole plot has just been sped up because they're trying to finish this thing. <laughs> All right. So we're in agreement on Tywin. We're in agreement on Jamie. We're in agreement on the Hound. But I think because I got thrown off on the mountain thing because I think he has recast like the dude that actually sleeps Two with different guys. Yeah. Daenerys because that's a different dude. Because that threw me up. But when you watch him back to back, I also noticed something from season two to season three, Littlefinger, Lord Baelish, uh, he comes back with like a leprechaun thing in season three that he didn't have in the first two seasons. Did you notice that? Uh, now that you say that, I did. It's not. unbelievably I did obvious. It, yeah. Watch an episode in season two, and then he comes back, and he's doing this. Yeah, he's got kind of a lisp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know that the veil has always been. And you're like, what the hell? What did you like? punched in the face speaking of him and sneaky worst character in the show was i forget what what was that that pl- the veil yeah the veil the, was it the knights of the veil is that well, the place with the big circle thing that, yeah, yeah 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 whoever the the kid the kid no his mom they both worst character in the show, but they were good at it were, no, they were great um i'm worse than joffrey hot take i found myself not loving like in the second time through the Arya stark storyline i just it doesn't do anything. Look, the show's amazing. It's one of the best shows I've ever seen. I love it. I don't like that storyline. And I think uh, her taking out Walter Frey mates, and then she kills everybody, and nobody knows that Frey's missing before a big dinner, and she's dressed as Frey. Again, dragons are flying, but the Frey Mission Impossible mask? Hmm? It's magic, dude. I guess it is. Yeah. She did study. She did study for a while. Okay, I do want to do in the future which Game of Thrones characters we are. And I put this at the back end so that people that hate it don't have to listen to it. Please subscribe, rate, review, uh, keep the numbers cranked up. We get a double CD for you. Chris Long, part two tomorrow. Uh, all sorts of stuff. The tweet that made white America mad. Um, his thoughts on Lamar Jackson, which I didn't really think we were going to do, but we ended up doing it anyway. Why Nirvana is Barry Sanders and he says that Pearl Jam is Barry Sanders. And uh, we'll do rapid-fire questions with him, including ranking his entire family as a potential roommate and does his younger brother text with Cooper Manning saying, this sucks. 